Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, good morning. They uh, said they were going to play that video in between the Josh and Josiah uh, experience so that you wouldn't still be thinking about them, but I'm not going to lie. I was thinking about Pastor Josh that whole second video. He's uh, something, but uh, come on. God's doing great things in our student ministry, and uh, they just had their second week here in the sanctuary. And so hopefully we still have enough adults to keep meeting in here on Sundays. Come on, because uh, students are just experiencing so much revival. And maybe now we know, keep praying for Pastor Josiah. Maybe that's why he's like, you know, Pastor, I'll do global missions. Let me get as far away from Pastor Josh as I can. I'll, no, I'm just, just kidding. They're uh, awesome, uh, great guys, great team. And uh, our church is so blessed. Well, God bless you this morning. Thanks to those watching and worshiping online. Uh, I hope you've been able to sense there's an added hunger in the building today. And uh, we saw God do just incredible things in the first service. And uh, we're believing God for more here in the 1045 as well. Um, people were seeing dreams and visions, receiving words. And so uh, we're just excited for what God's going to do. Um, it's not the quickest service that you've ever been to, but praise the Lord, you already paid to be here. You, you filled your car with gas. You got here. Might as well get your money's worth and uh, get trained for battle here this morning. Amen. All right. Well, today we're talking about the breastplate of righteousness. You got a note sheet. I'll get there eventually. Um, I want to recap Dr. Darnell's message. Then I want to give an intro today. Then I'm going to read the scripture. Then I'll get to the note sheet. So you might need it uh, eventually, or you will need it eventually, but you might want it up front. But uh, anyway, it's a great thing. If you missed the last couple of weeks, this is actually week four of our battle ready series. And so first couple of weeks, uh, if you missed, I just want to encourage you to go back and watch talking and training about spiritual warfare. If you were here for those first couple of weeks, I'd like to encourage you to go back and watch and uh, be reminded of some things. And uh, as we learned today, I'm reminded of things that I've said that I didn't remember, but praise the Lord, other people have. So um, whether we know it or not, spiritual warfare is taking place. You know, it doesn't matter if we close our ears and shut our eyes, like spiritual warfare is still happening, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, whether we realize it or not, but we should never live in fear of it. We have no reason to be afraid because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. Come on, only 19 people believe that. It's okay. The rest of you, I'm hoping you will come to believe that as well, that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, greater is he that's in us, come on, than he that's in the world. So we don't have any reason to be afraid. Uh, we're getting battle ready. And I just believe that our confused world really needs a convinced church. This is not the time for weak and wimpy Christianity. Um, I love the word that Dr. Darnell brought last week on truth, that belt of truth. One of the things out of many that stood out to me, uh, by the way, I bring you greetings. I wasn't able to be here at all in the, this service last week. I was ministering with Eddie up in uh, Coon Rapids at the Slavic Church, and so we bring you greetings from them as well. Um, they reset their service clock three times on me, then they just turned it off because I, I was on assignment to teach on the blessings of God, but that was I ran out of time before I finished, and then we needed to testify and then prophetically declare some things over there church. So they just finally turned the clock off and I finished when I was done, uh, which you're kind of used to. And so um, that was awesome. I heard from our team that was up there three weeks ago. They're like, time is a little bit different up there. They tried to put me on a clock. It didn't work. Um, <laughs> Today they gave me five more minutes on the service sheet and I used 10 more than they gave me in the first service. So whatever. Um, I'm just saying, it's just, you're already here, so you might as well just enjoy it. But uh, the, the, what it th of all the things he said last week, I just couldn't, I kept thinking about all week, is that we can't settle for casual Christianity these days, right? We've lost way too many people in spiritual war. So we always call those who were lost in battle casualties, and we know that being casual often leads to being a casualty. Uh, that's why it's important that we understand what's going on. We take note of it. And you know, the truth is, friends, whenever we lose sight of truth, it, the belt of truth, that holds everything together, right? Whenever we lose sight of truth, we fall into deception so quickly. I never thought that we could lose sight of truth and be so deceived so quickly as we have been in the last few years. 
I was all in a way we'd see that. We I'm telling you, when we lose sight of truth, deception comes in so quickly, which is why I believe the devil is fighting so hard these days using words that sound good but are not truthful. This last week, Dana was at a school board meeting or school district meeting. I'm not sure. Uh, I won't say which one it is because then you would know, but you know where we live and it was our school district, so figure it out. Uh, the guilty were named nameless, but Bonnie Haney went with her, just prayer support and being there. And, and the school district superintendent said something that is often repeated, but is so wrong. The school superintendent said, everyone has their truth, but that's so wrong. Everybody has their opinion. Everybody has their feelings. Everybody has their perception or their preference, but there is only one truth. And by the way, truth is not subject to our opinion. Truth doesn't change based upon our feelings. Our perspective and our preferences won't change truth either. Truth is what it is and truth will stand forever. Truth will not change. And I remind you, truth will not shift with current culture. And when we lose sight of truth, well, we see the result of that right here in our own backyard. But this is nothing new, friends. This is not a problem that started in 2024 or 2020. This is a long-standing problem within humanity. Let me show you what the Bible says. The people of God, the nation of Israel, Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. The Bible says, in those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So this is not something new for us. Now it's translated differently, right? Back then they say Israel had no king and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. 2024 vernacular translation might say, well, he's not my president and I've got to speak my truth. Oh, welcome to celebration. This is the recap from last week. Wait till I really start preaching. This is just summarizing what I would have said last week. Come on, you didn't come to be entertained, but instructed to stand against the devil's schemes. Paul didn't say color coordinate your outfit for fashion week. He said, put on the full armor of God. <laughs> Amen. Because there's a battle taking place and we're going to be dressed for battle. All right. The apostle Paul, we've been talking about this, that he wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus for those believers through the ministry of the Holy Spirit for us as well. And um, we understand most likely he wrote this letter to them when he was in prison in Rome. We don't know that entirely for sure because we weren't there, but uh, most scholars, historians will agree that Paul wrote this letter in prison in Rome. And I can't prove it because I wasn't there, neither were you, but I imagine that Paul probably could look out his prison cell and see a Roman guard standing there watching him to make sure he was kept under lock and key, that he wasn't gonna escape, that he wasn't under trouble. And I feel like it's probable, or possible at least, but since it's my sermon, I think it's probable that the Apostle Paul may have taken a page out of Jesus' book. Jesus just taught at whatever they could see. Jesus would use what people could physically see to teach them about spiritual truths and realities. You know, Jesus would be walking around along and he'd say, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like, you'd see this farmer sowing seed in the field. He's like, the kingdom of heaven's like this guy who's sowing seed and he's throwing it there, here and there. I think the apostle Paul might've been wanting to teach those believers in Ephesus by the Holy Spirit, us here today. And he's looking out his window. He's looking at the cell and he sees a prison guard and he's like, oh, look at that. He's wearing a belt of truth. Let me talk about the thing that holds everything else together. I don't know that the key was in the belt, but it's in the truth. So this is an illustration that I believe Paul could see, and he's trying to give us a tangible understanding, but, but it's not so much about the piece of armor, but the truth that it represents. And Paul was like, hey, you gotta have this belt of truth. It's gonna hold everything together. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Historically, the breastplate was the biggest, the heaviest piece of armor. So today might be a little bit of a heavy message, but we'll end in victory and we'll see God's help, amen? All right, if you have your Bible, you could turn to Ephesians chapter six. You might wanna just bookmark it because it's the same key verses for us every week, all right? We're gonna be there. We got lots of scripture throughout the message, but every week we have the same theme verses in this series. So if you're able, would you stand to your feet? Let's read God's word together. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 to 20. We're talking about the breastplate of righteousness today. The Bible says it this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Come on, quit trying to be strong in your own understanding. Quit trying to be strong in your own achievements and accomplishments. Be strong in him. 
That's the way we're gonna win this battle. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Come on, our struggle is not against our spouse. It's not against our kids. It's not against our elected leaders. I mean, it might be the last one, but I... Come on, we gotta understand what's really going on. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you can take your stand, you can stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, talking about that today, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Not just some of the arrows, not just a few of them, but all the arrows. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that when I speak, Words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Amen. Let's pray together here this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to gather and lift high the mighty and matchless name of your son, Jesus. We ask Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help nobody leave the same. We thank you in advance for the many people that are gonna fully surrender their life to you today, Lord Jesus, and know that they know that they know they've been forgiven forever. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The apostle Paul gave these practical instructions or daily advice to the Ephesians about how to live. If I were to summarize the book of Ephesians, other scholars would probably say to live a holy pure and Christ-inspired lifestyle. Now, candidly, I don't see those three descriptions fitting our nation very well today. Many, if not most people, yes, even in the church, lack holiness, lack purity, and are anything but Christ-centered or inspired. So today's message on the breastplate of righteousness, I believe, is a timely one. Proverbs 13 and six reads like this. Righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Talking about living a righteous life here today, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Tragically, every week we see people, yes, pastors and leaders, fall due to a lack of integrity. Their ministry and their influence, hear me clearly, is appropriately reduced because their righteousness was lacking. Just want to say that clearly. It's appropriately reduced. When someone lacks integrity, when they're living a double lifestyle, when they're not following the things of God, it's not an attack of the enemy for that truth to be revealed. It's actually loving kindness from our Father who will allow us to go through punishment and judgment now before when it will cost us forever. And it's not an attack of the enemy. It's that person's sinful actions coming to light. Let's not miscategorize the truth of what's taking place. It's rightfully, it's appropriately reduced because their righteousness was lacking. Therefore, the wisdom that we receive in the proverb, it says that righteousness will guard the person of integrity. See, the breastplate of righteousness is heavy. Of the armor, if if the armor weighed 70 pounds or so, as some people say, the breastplate would have weighed around 40 pounds. In other words, more than half of the weight of the armor of God is here in this piece of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. Wearing the breastplate of righteousness was not easy, it was not convenient, and it was not comfortable, but it was necessary to be victorious in battle. Similarly, for each of us, dear brothers and sisters, I submit to you today that putting on a lifestyle of righteousness will not be easy, convenient, or comfortable in today's land. In fact, you'll stand out and be noticed for peculiar living, but take courage because righteousness will guard the person of integrity. Historically, Pastor Dan gave me this info. I could have Googled it, but he saved me the time. 
had somebody come up to me before for a service. They said, hey, I did some research this week, pastor. I Googled it too. <laughs> anyway, uh, the breastplate was the most beautiful piece of armor. It was the shiniest. And after lots and lots of battles, it would actually begin to shine even more brilliantly. We might picture the breastplate of righteousness today like a flak jacket or a bullet-resistant vest. And while that understanding might be similar as to the areas that it would guard, the modern equivalent is lacking in description of beauty. The old-time breastplate, different pieces of metal would be fastened together like scales on a fish. Well, they would rub together in battle, and they would begin to add luster to each other. The shiny metal would almost begin to glow in beauty. And when the soldiers marched on a sunny day, the sun rays would reflect off the breastplates, much like a mirror reflecting the sun. Therefore, the reflection of the sun made the breastplate a type of offensive weapon in addition to the defensive purposes it served. The enemy would actually see the soldiers marching toward them and the brilliance of the sun reflecting into their eyes long before they engaged with sword and shield. Come on, somebody, today I'm believing for righteousness to shine brightly into the enemy's eyes, that we'd be noticed from a long way off before we even our mouth, open our mouths to speak in battle. That's the intro. Now we get to the note sheet, praise the Lord. <laughs> Number one, we're talking about righteousness here today. Number one, righteousness demands salvation and sanctification. If those words are too big for you, that's okay. I went to Bible college and I'm gonna explain them. That's the whole point of what I'm talking about here in point number one. It demands. In other words, neither are optional. If you wanna live a righteous life, if you wanna put on the breastplate of righteousness, if you wanna shine in battle, you wanna live victoriously, righteousness demands salvation and sanctification. Jesus paid the price on the cross of Calvary. And he offers to us grace, both for being saved and becoming sanctified. Some scholars have said the same grace that saves us is the same grace that changes us. Right? One happens in a moment. We're saved in a moment. Everything changes. The old is gone. The new has come. We're saved in a moment. We're forgiven of all of our sins. In a moment, we are saved. That's when we experience salvation. But sanctification is the process of walking out that salvation for the rest of our lives. Becoming less like ourselves and more like Jesus Christ. But it begins with the gift of salvation. Romans 3, verse 22 reads like this. This righteousness, that's what we're talking about today, the righteousness of God. This righteousness is what? Given. You know, you can't earn your salvation. No matter what world religion has taught or trained or, or you may have learned, you can't earn it. There's no amount of good works, good deeds, or memorizations that you can perform to measure up to the standard that he has, but it, it, is, it is given to us, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe. You may be wondering, why are we so committed to sending the good news around the world? Because 42% of the world still waits to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ for the very first time. And we believe it's good news, not just for us, but to all who believe. But in order to believe, they've got to hear it. More on that in a couple of weeks when I get to the shield of faith. <laughs> we are made righteous in the very moment that we receive salvation from our sins. In that moment, it happens instantly. This righteousness is a gift through faith in Christ. When you open up a gift as a kid from your parents, it's just, it's yours in that moment. You just have to open it up. You just have to receive it quite simply. And without a doubt, we cannot become righteous on our own. We've tried, but we can't earn it, but we can receive the finished work of Jesus Christ. In a moment, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, it's not for lack of effort or trying apart from Christ. <laughs> this is what we read in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse six. All of us, how many people is that? All. all, it's not a trick question. If you're new to celebration, all still means all. When we read it in scripture, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only. So whoever, you know what whoever means? Whoever is still for everybody. All have become like the one who is unclean. 
and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. In other words, we can try our best. We can give it our darndest. I was trying to think if I could switch it to say hardest because I don't know if I should say darndest in the sermon, but I was already halfway through the sentence. (laughs) But no matter what we do on our own, apart from Christ, it's just gonna be like filthy rags. So if we're gonna live righteous lives, it demands that we receive salvation. And we know salvation is found in no one else but in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Salvation is not found in good deeds. It's not found in proper financial stewardship. It's not found in positive affirmations. Salvation is only found in Jesus Christ, the one who was and is and is to come. The Bible says no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. No one but the name of Jesus. So we receive his salvation, but then there's a process that we call sanctification of continuing to become righteous. We're made righteous in a moment, but we become righteous for the rest of our lives. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. God made him, who? Jesus. God made Jesus who had no sin to become sin for us. So that in him, only in Christ, can we become the righteousness of God. So we receive his righteousness in a moment and through the, with the help of the Holy Spirit in Christ, living through him, we become righteous. We explain that term to be called sanctification. We are righteous and we are becoming righteous. Now, the idea of righteousness in today's society is often so negative Think about your place of work or your school. If somebody says, well, that person is just so righteous, most of the time they might be implying that you're a holy roller, a goody two-shoe with your nose up in the air because you think you're better than they are. It's not exactly a compliment these days to be, oh, they're righteous. (laughs) But I want to remind you here this morning, friends, being righteous is not about being better than your neighbor. Being righteous is about being better than you used to be. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, we've been made righteous in a moment, but we are being made righteous for the rest of our lives. This is God's will for our lives. This is how we live protected in these dark days. Proverbs 13, six tells us, right? Righteousness guards the person of integrity. Now the breastplate was designed to protect your vital organs. If you got stabbed in your arm, It would hurt. If I got stabbed in my arm, it would hurt a lot because I'm just not that tough. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm just being honest with you. I'll preach up a storm, but don't fight me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, it's not, I don't, uh, I don't wanna fight. I just don't, you know, you you win. That's it. I don't wanna fight, okay? But the breastplate was designed to protect your vital organs because it'd be one thing if you got cut on your arm, but but if you took a spear or a sword to your heart or to your lungs, (laughs) Come on, it didn't matter how big your biceps were. If you took a a wound to a vital organ, you were gonna probably die right there on the battlefield. And and the truth is that righteousness will protect our most vital organs. Scripture tells us the, the two of the most vital things, we see it here in scripture, Proverbs chapter four and 23. He says, above all else, guard your heart. He didn't say guard your bicep. That's why I don't work out. He didn't tell me to guard it. It ain't my problem. I'm staring Joey down when I'm preaching that point too. I don't care. Anyway, uh, above all else, guard your heart. Back to the Bible. For everything you do flows from it. Another translation would say it's the wellspring of life. When we lose our righteousness, we lose that protection over that which impacts everything else. How about our lungs, the breath that he gives us? Psalmist said it this way, Psalm 150 and verse six, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Sadly, I believe many believers have been wounded in battle. Perhaps even you here today, right? If your heart has been wounded or if you've lost your breath in battle, might I suggest put on the breastplate of righteousness again today. Allow him to do what only he can do. The breastplate of righteousness, it's heavy. I get it. It's not convenient, I understand. But it will help you be victorious 
and battle ready. Might I suggest while we just allow the word to be a little heavy this morning that we return to the old things that we used to do? I mean, in Christ, I don't mean the old city. They're like, that doesn't make sense, pastor. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ, you were so on fire for the things of God before you learned more than the pastor had understood, right? Like I'm saying, when you didn't know it all, when you just took God at his word, could we return to that type of faith where, where it wasn't about what a website told us we should believe or how we should feel. We just took God at his word. Could we return to those things of old. I'm not advocating for a rules-based religious routine. I don't know all of your stories, but I've heard from many of you, and I know according to scripture that the love of many will grow cold if your love has grown cold. If you're here under the sound of my voice, you hear the Holy Spirit calling you today, calling you back to the things of God again. Just say yes to him this morning. Tragically, we, we see many Christians walking around today in guilt and condemnation, because they've lost sight of the reality that Jesus made us righteous in a moment. They stumbled along the way of sanctification and listened to the lie of the enemy that since their sanctification was not complete, their salvation was not real. Let me say that again. That many people today, many believers are walking around with guilt and condemnation. They believe they were saved and in this process of sanctification, they stumbled along the way. They, they messed up. They returned to an old habit. They went back to something and when they struggled, the devil told them, because you're not fully sanctified, then you're not really saved. This is why it's important to know that you know that you know that you've given everything to him. Talk more about that at the end. But these believers are walking around, maybe literally, but specifically figuratively speaking, with their shoulders slumped and their head hanging low because Satan has convinced them that they're no longer good enough to be used by God. Newsflash, friends, we were never good enough on our own <laughs> to be used by him. It's not our righteousness. That's like filthy rags. But in Christ, come on, we've been made new. So if you've lost your righteousness along the way, pick it back up and begin fighting for the things of God again. Because anyone who's in Christ is now a new creation. So put on that breastplate of righteousness and begin to reflect the S-O-N son, Jesus Christ, everywhere you go. Number two, this is where it gets a little more difficult this morning. Number two, unrighteousness leads to rottenness. Unrighteousness leads to rottenness. Point three, you'll be really encouraged again, but uh, this is the part where you get what's coming. I want to say this as plainly as I can so that I'm not misquoted and that it lands with full emphasis that I feel like the Holy Spirit brought me to say it. Unrighteousness is always an invitation for the enemy to attack your life. Unrighteousness is always an invitation to the enemy to attack your life. I'm convinced every enemy invasion always starts with an open invitation. Knowingly or unknowingly. I'm gonna teach you about this here this morning. And whenever we open the door to the powers of darkness, we should not be surprised when the enemy invades. I see so many believers who are utterly confused as to why their life is a mess, but they've given no thought to the amount of invitations they've given to the enemy to come on in, knowingly or unknowingly. I'm not saying that they've written an actual welcome devil sign to hang on their lanyard, but when we live lifestyles of unrighteousness, we open the door of our life to our heart for the enemy to come in. Because a pattern of unrighteousness always leads to rottenness. A few months back, which means it was last year, we uh, began to notice a few fruit flies in our kitchen. I don't even remember what, you remember what time of year it was? It was last year, it was sometime, I should have asked, but I do the preaching, she'll tell me later I was wrong and about the time, but it was last year, I'm confident it was last year. It was 2023, I'm right. 
we began to notice a few fruit flies. And so, you know, we got out some cleaning stuff and sprayed it on the counter. And then there was more of them. And apparently all those fruit flies got on single mingle, want to get a mate. And they, they got married and they had a bunch of babies and the fruit flies were everywhere. Um, and, and so then we were, uh, we ordered by we, I mean, my wife ordered these little apples by Taro. I'm not sponsored by them, but we ordered a bunch of them. We got one pack that we got two. We have like 24 of these things now. And so you put apple cider vinegar in this little container and then you just set them around. We just set it by the, you know, we have a wire fruit basket where we put apples and hang the bananas and, and we just sat this right next to it. It was like, oh, that's, that fits, you know, it's a cool design. And, and so we, we liked that because it wasn't an ugly trap. It was like, oh, it might've had a little baby apple sitting on the counter. And then we put it behind things and we were trying to catch all the fruit flies and and uh, then that we had those, and, and then but we wanted to call in reinforcements because this was like a real problem. This uh, it, it was it was a real issue. We were struggling, and and so by the way, this isn't the spiritual opposition I was referring to about last year, but it just went hand in hand with 2023. So then she ordered Aunt Fanny's fly punch fruit fly trap. Yeah, it was. And so then we would open the cap. And then they would go in there and apparently they would drown. We've saved some for months. They're right in the bottom because I was like, that could be a great sermon illustration and today's the day. <laughs> so we caught them. Now I forgot to mention what we did at some point in that process because we finally got them. You know what we did? We took the rotten fruit. Actually, we took all the fruit that was on the counter because I still wasn't even convinced what was rotten, but there was fruit flies. I was like, they gotta be coming for something. So we took all the fruit and we threw it in the garbage. And then we had all this stuff. We were trying to catch the fruit flies. You know what we never did? Open the garbage, pull the rotten fruit out and put it back on the counter. That would be crazy, right? That we throw the rotten fruit away. We get all these little traps out. We get them. We're like, mm, I really want an apple. Let's get that one back out. We would all think the pastor has lost his mind. So why is it that so many Christians not talking about fruit flies anymore, will experience freedom in their life. They'll get rid of things and then they'll pull it right back up out of the garbage and set it on the counter of their home. And I'm telling you, unrighteousness always leads to rottenness and it's always an invitation for the enemy to come in and do stuff. <laughs> to come in and mess with your life, to come in and cause these problems, right? Too many Christians have been blind to that necessity that yes, we can help you and we want to help you get a fly trap with some apple cider vinegar and Aunt Fanny's Thanks. stuff. Fruit fly, fruit punch, fruit fly trap. But it's on you to leave that stuff in the garbage. And when you get free, why in the world would you go right back to what put you in bondage before? But a lot of Christians do that, right? I'm not accusing anybody here today under the sound of my voice of that formal invitation to the powers of darkness come into your home. But for many, unknowingly, your rottenness has been the invitation those powers were looking for to come in and wreak havoc in your home. I don't say that to communicate guilt and condemnation, but to help you. Hear me, friends, until you throw out that addiction, until you get rid of that hobby, that untamed tongue, that ungodly relationship, those demonic forces are continued to be invited into your home because of the rottenness in your life. Now, I get it. You came to church all nice and clean today. You took a shower. Hopefully, you got ready. You came here. You, you smile. You know how to say the right things coming in. You're blessed and highly favored. We don't really say that that much in Minnesota, but in the South, we sure did. And, but you go home to the same rotten fruit. Oh, you can get dressed and you can fool us for a little bit, but hear me, friends. Righteousness might be fake to others, but it will never fool the enemy or God. This is what Paul told young Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter three. We got a little bit more and then I'll build you up back in point three, but this one, we still got to explain it a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter three, one to five. He said this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And how does he summarize it? Verse five, they've got a form of godliness, but they're lacking the power. 
You can fool other people for a little while, but you'll never fool the enemy or God. Now, we've all been there, right? We've been sitting on our couch watching a TV show, minding our own business, and somebody knows we've been going through it. They were praying. They're like, they'll text you, hey, I'm going to drop on by and I'm going to bring you dinner. We're like, free food. Praise the Lord. And then we panic because we're like, what if we open the door and they look and they see how messy our house is? But we realize they're already on their way. We don't have time to actually clean the house. So what do we do? We move the mess from the main area into the bedrooms. We didn't actually clean the house. We just moved the mess to somewhere else. That way, when we open the door, we don't have to just go, hello, you know, and like, because then we know like what's going on inside. Is there a crime being committed? Like, don't answer the door. Just barely peek your head out. We're like, what is going, just open it up. And they're looking, they're like, oh, they seem normal. They're not. We've all done it, right? And, and we fool that person. They're like, oh, they seem nice. Their kids are minding their business. And, and we shut the door and then we go back to the bedrooms. We open the door and the mess returns. Because we didn't really clean anything up. We just moved it. And eventually, we're gonna have to deal with that mess. The truth is, many believers, they'll come to church and they, they don't get cleaned up. They just move the mess. They move it from the area that is most visible to other people, but they stuff it in a closet. They shove it in a different compartment. And until you get wholeness and healing in every part of your life, every room of your being, you're not cleaning the mess, you're moving it. And eventually that mess comes out. You ever seen the show Hoarders? You know, the only difference between them and you, they ran out of closets. I mean, not you, the people in the first service I'm talking about, not you, you guys, it's all. By the way, you don't have to live that way, friends. You could just elevate just a little bit of normal cleanliness so that you don't have a panic attack when somebody shows up. It's free, there you go, that'll help you. But anyway, uh, what happens in hoarders is people who've run out of closets because they keep moving messes and they don't have anywhere else to put it. Eventually, their problem becomes too big for them to solve and they need a whole crew to come in to get rid of everything. But the truth is the biggest problem is not even removing the stuff because anybody can come in and get rid of the garbage, but it's not the stuff, it's the mindset that that person struggles with or that mental disease or, or disability or whatever those struggles are. It's not about the stuff anymore, it's about that mindset. And the truth is many Christians are living with the wrong mindset, the wrong understanding of the real freedom that Jesus came to give us, the real cleanliness in life that he's come to give us. And so I'm praying for you today. If, if, if it's left unchecked, if it's left unrepentant, if left alone, it will eventually lead to your death. Unrighteousness leads to rottenness. So if you're here, you, I've been praying for you, doing everything you can. And I pray you choose the path of righteousness today. Don't wait another week. Don't delay another hour. This is your day. The Bible says it this way in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But he's only going to purify what we give him access to. What we move just to a different place and shut the door. Come on, we got to open it all up to him and allow him access to every. And by the way, once you're purified from all that unrighteousness, don't you dare go dig it back out of the garbage and bring it back in. I've seen that on the show before. They got stuff in a dumpster and overnight, this guy went back out and he pulled stuff out of the dumpster, brought it back in the house. And we're thinking, what's wrong with him? And then we do the same thing spiritually. We get breakthrough in our life. We get healing in this area. We, we're delivered for something. And then we just bring it right back in. We pull the garbage and put it right back on the counter. And we go, hopefully there's no fruit flies this time. Live in total freedom the way God designed you to. Don't go back. Don't pick it back up. Don't go back to it. Don't give it one more try just to find out. Leave it there and live in freedom the way God designed you to. Number three. I almost lied and said, and I get ready to close. I'm not getting ready at all. Number three, it's just the last point. Uh, number three, righteousness produces wholeness. This is the only way to be whole, friends. Righteousness will produce 
wholeness. Now, the Apostle Paul said it this way just two chapters earlier, chapters added for our benefit, Ephesians chapter four, earlier in his letter, verses 20 to 24, he said this, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. More rotten fruit's gonna produce more fruit flies, gonna produce more rottenness, gonna produce more death. That's what it is. Verse 23, but instead be made new in the attitude of your minds, put on the new self. You were created to be like God. Did you know that, friends? This is what he says. His word for you, you were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. How amazing is that? You and I were created to be like him, truly righteous and holy. Well, in our lives, we're really made up of three different parts. And so you see those parts there on on your note sheet, your body, your soul, and your spirit. And let me just explain to you each of those areas because tragically, uh, the American church has been woefully undertaught about wholeness when it comes to new life in Christ. We've settled for raise your hand in a service, pray a prayer, and then everything else will change on its own. How many people can testify that's not true? (laughs) You can pray a prayer, you can be forgiven of your sin, but you can still struggle with stuff for a long time. No, everything doesn't change on its own. It begins with a prayer, but by the way, all hell breaks loose when you pray that prayer and you give your life to Christ. On your way home, it's not a parade of demons high-fiving the awesome decision you made. And righteousness is needed in every area of our lives, in our body, in our soul, and in our spirit. So I asked some of our pastoral staff about their personal journeys to freedom in these areas, and I want to share some of those thoughts with you as I think about getting ready to close. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I'm just not doing it. When it comes to your body, you need to crucify your flesh. By the way, this is something you got to do for yourself. We could tell you about it. We could try to help you with it, but really it's something you got to do for yourself. This is an area where where I say, we can't want it for you more than you want it for yourself. It's your responsibility. Galatians chapter five, verse 24. Paul said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Sadly, many people feel that they belong to Christ feel that they're part of his church. They may be experiencing religious services, but they've not crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. And that doesn't happen on its own. It's gonna take your, you gotta take responsibility for your actions and change some of your habits. It will take time, but hear me, friends, you can do it. Pastor Josiah said a while back, I had made a comment while preaching through Joshua. I didn't remember saying it, but it, it impacted him. He wrote it down and Amanda said, I said it. So that's two people. And it's, uh, so apparently a, a while back I had said, why are you coddling something that God has called you to conquer? The first service liked it too. I wish I would have remembered that I said that, praise the Lord, but that's why you got to write stuff down, I guess. I don't know. I did write it down. I said it, but then I've said a few hundred things since then. So, but it's interesting, right? We're coddling, we're hugging, we're petting that habit, that addiction, that problem, that demonic stronghold in our life. We, but it's not cute. It's not cuddly. We've, we've, God's called us to conquer it. Many, if not most Christians in our nation do not take this point seriously enough. Why? Because we're constantly looking for shortcuts to living life on easy street. We want a pill, we want a plan, we just don't want it to be tough. But this is tough work, but we can do it. Now, this is not just a new thing in America. It's actually been the reality for believers going way back to Bible times. Let me give you another verse that won't be on the screen because I got it last night. So I was preparing again, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse four. Uh, The author of Hebrews, probably Paul had said this way, in your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What was he saying? You could try a little harder at this thing called discipline. By the way, you don't have to just say yes because the devil brings you an opportunity. You don't have to say yes just because temptation comes to you. Jesus was tempted as well, but was without sin. That's why we know he's a better. He's our high priest, that he was tempted as we were, Hebrews says, but was without sin. We now have the power 
because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Not to do what we want, but to not do what we want. Come on, we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to say yes to every little thing. God has given us the power to overcome. What he was saying is you can still work harder at this. You're giving in way too easily. And by the way, I would encourage everybody here today, do the hard work of discipline, disciplining your own life so that you can follow Christ with everything in you. But we're doing it with the help of the Holy Spirit. St. Augustine often gets credited for this statement. Uh, He might've said, or somebody did, pray as though everything depends on God, but work like everything depends on you. So there's a lot of work we could do, but we've got to do it with the help of Holy Spirit. Another person said it this way, make your body so uninhabitable to evil that it has no choice but to flee from you. Come on, I never heard that till this week. Make your body so uninhabitable to evil that it has no choice but to flee from you. Might I remind you, friends, that this is why fasting is so important? Not just in 21 days to begin the year. Maybe you wanna join with us every Wednesday or pick a different time. I don't know, but fasting is important because it's actively denying our desires and weakening their strength in our lives. When you say no to your fleshly desires, you can say no to the lies the enemy uses to manipulate those desires. Right? When we learn we don't have to feed our body every minute it says I'm hungry, All of a sudden, when temptation comes our way, we don't have to say, I'm a man, I guess I have to do it. But you're a man, you don't have to do it. Amen, that should be another series. Remind me somebody, I'll do that after Revelation next. Okay, (laughs) if we just had a little bit more time. I only preached an hour in the first service. I don't know how I'm doing this time, but we're doing all right. Uh, This is why prayer, not just fasting, but this is why prayer is so important, right? It strengthens the voice of God in our life and weakens the voice of the enemy. Some people say, well, I don't know what the voice of God sounds like. If you read his word, it sounds pretty much like that. Which brings me to the next part. This is why scripture is so important. (laughs) Because truth and lies cannot cohabitate. This is why community is so important, right? Because other people have eyes, they have discernment, and they can, if they love us enough, they'll tell us when they see us going off path and help point us back to Jesus. So I'll finish up with crucifying your flesh by just asking you one question with a smile, so you know I love you. Are you more committed to your comfort or to your savior? It's just a question. You don't have to answer right now, but think about it this week and reflect on it. Here's the second area. If you wanna have wholeness in your life, righteousness will help you. Wholeness, the second area of your life is your soul. What do we know according to scripture? You've got to renew your mind. We know in scripture, our soul has this idea of thoughts and emotions. And so, uh, but sometimes when we talk about heart, that applies to number three. So it's a little bit hard to use English to explain this. So renew your mind. This is where I think you might really benefit from the help of another believer when it comes to inner healing and deliverance. Let me read to you what Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means a change has to take place. You gotta go in and begin to think differently. There's a process to thinking differently, to changing the way you've always thought, but it's required if you wanna test and approve what God's will is. I think so many people, so many Christians struggle to know what God's will for their life is because they've never really renewed their mind. Their soul is not whole. He said, this is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, even when I say inner healing, deliverance, this topic scares a lot of people, but really I think they get scared because they don't understand it, right? And I think this confusion and fear on this topic comes directly from the pit of hell and is designed to keep people suffering in silence and isolation away from the strength you find in community with other believers, right? When you're going through a struggle, what's the lie you hear? Well, I better skip my community group. I guess I shouldn't be on the host team. I shouldn't go there because we withdraw in the time we should press in even more. God's given us that circle. He's given us that community to walk with, to, to link arms together. What are, what, are, what are those lies? We've all heard them, right? They might sound different to you, but, but something along the effect, we've all heard the lie. Well, what will they think of me if they find out? Spoiler alert, they'll probably think, oh, you too? Because there's nothing new under the sun. Somebody in your circle has been there, done that. 
and somebody else has been there, done that, got freedom from it and can help you in the moment. No, you don't have to give into it. But the longer you sit in silence by yourself, you're going to be stuck in this doom loop. Of, oh, what will they think if they find out? Here's, a, here's another lie that many people, well, nobody will understand what I'm going through. Here, here's another one. Maybe this is a lie we've told ourselves. I'm strong enough to solve it on my own. <laughs> if you were, you would have solved it by now, friend. Community is a gift that we have to, together. We've all heard those lies many, lies. many of us have repeated them time and time again, but we humans were created for community. And one of the blessings of community is the help of other people to bring about the changes in our thoughts and emotions to believe the truth instead of the lies we've listened to our whole lives. Being in community with others is one of the greatest ways I've seen for people to break bad habits that we've created and begin to live in freedom from the bondages that have been barriers in our lives. Why? Because most of the bad fruit in our lives can be traced back to a bad root. We sometimes focus on, oh, well, I'm just gonna throw this apple away, but we didn't really fix the problem, we just moved the issue. With the help of Holy Spirit, we can come in, we can pray. This is all about the ministry of prayer, counseling, and deliverance to come in and help you trace that root with the help of Holy Spirit so you can rip it out and not have that same rotten fruit. You're like, oh no, I threw those away. It'll grow back. So if you'll go in with the help of Holy Spirit and rip out that root and just nail it to the cross where Jesus paid the price for everything, Come on, then replace it with God's truth. What happens? His truth always blossoms into something beautiful. But sadly, many have allowed those weeds to grow in our lives, which seek to destroy the good things that God has designed us for. So we want to come in and remove that weed, rip it out at the root so we can plant the truth in our lives and see it blossom. What does that look like? Well, we read in Galatians chapter five about the blossom of the truth of God in our lives. It's called the fruit of the spirit. And what is, if you're wondering, could I maybe use some of that blossoming in my life? Well, do you need more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control? Does your spouse think you could use an increase of any of those? Come on, somebody like, I'm all set. Your spouse is like, they could use more. <laughs> Well, perhaps there's a weed in your life that needs ripped out. Talk to somebody, prayer counselor, deliverance, and pray, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, is there something there? Did I block something? Again, I'm talking about knowingly or unknowingly. Is there something that's keeping me from wholeness, living this righteous life that God has designed? You've got to renew your mind. And finally, now I, I do close. <laughs> when it comes to your spirit, you've got to surrender your life. This is what Jesus will do, but you've got to surrender it to him. Isaiah chapter 51, verses seven and eight, the Bible reads like this. Hear me, you who know what is right, you people who've taken my instruction to heart, do not fear the reproach of mere mortals or be terrified by their insults, for the moth will eat them up like a garment, the worm will devour them like wool. Now look at this, here's what he says. We're talking about righteousness today, but my righteousness, God says, will last forever my salvation through all generations. We talk about this, right? Like, like everybody, when they come to faith in Christ, has the opportunity to change their family tree for future generations. I never knew a day of my life growing up when I came downstairs that I didn't see one or both of my parents praying and reading the word. But that's the home I grew up in. Many of you, you grew up in a different home, but this is your moment. We all have the opportunity to change the future generations. We can't make our kids and grandkids follow Jesus. We can't make them follow after the things of God, but we can show them the way. And there's this promise that when we know, when we fully surrender our life to Jesus Christ, it changes everything going forward. This is where you remain fully convinced of the finished work of Jesus Christ in your life. I, I talk with people all the time and 
This is my concern. If you don't know when you fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, it might be a sign that you didn't surrender everything. You just moved some of your mess from one part and moved it to another. But when you fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you know that you know that you know you've been forgiven. You might not be perfect. You might not be all done. God's still working on you, but you know. And so when I talk with people all the time and I'm hearing about church upbringing and in life and they're like, well, I, I raised my hand as a kid and I went through this class and I did that and then I raised this and I, Listen, but there comes a time where you no longer feel the need to raise your hand in a service because you know that you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Like, like you know, this is the date. If you don't know, today, February 25th, 2024 can be your date. There's a moment in time that you know. And here's why I believe it's so important for everybody to know their date. It doesn't matter what your date is, but you need to know that it is because somewhere along the line, the devil's gonna come to you and say, well, you're not really saved. Because you had this struggle, you had this setback, and you need to know, you need to write it down. You need to be able to review. No, I know it might've been September 3rd, it might've been January 2nd, it might be September 24th, it might be February 25th, but you need to know this is the moment I fully surrendered my life to Christ. Because until you fully surrender your life to Christ, the other things that we were talking about are just gonna be behavior modification. It'll help you. You'll be better off by living a righteous life. But apart from Christ, you can't be righteous. So, so if we're going to have wholeness, this is why, you know, getting in shape doesn't bring wholeness to your life. It's not bad either. I'm just saying, I met a lot of people with six-pack abs that were not whole. And they were all hungry. I did in this service too. I told a joke. I'm trying to, trying to move to a close in prayer. But anyway, uh, there's things you can do. You can bring discipline in your life. But if you're not saved, if you're not fully surrendered to Jesus, I just believe you're going to keep struggling with these things. When it comes to freedom in your soul, well, until you know that you're saved, there, there's going to be a continual struggle, this process. And so you need to know this is the date. I know I was fully surrendered. And if you don't know, today can be your day. I want everybody to leave today knowing that they know that they know. So that no lie of the enemy can bring discouragement to your life. No lie of the enemy can bring guilt and condemnation back in your life. No matter what he says, you know, this is the moment everything changed for me. The old is now gone, the new has come. Pastor Josiah wrote these three things and, and we'll pray about his journey of recovery to wholeness. We're talking about righteousness, producing wholeness in your life. He said there was three stages of this in his life. The first one was an environmental change. He said his environment needed to be completely different in order to eliminate the option to fall back. Think about it. Once you're, you're set free, once things change, why would you go right back to where you struggled? Alcoholics Anonymous knows this. They'd never recommend to alcoholics to be a bartender. Simple. Don't put yourself back in that situation. So whatever it is, my brother or sister, don't go back to it. Change the environment. The second thing he said was there was a mentality change and that was a struggle until after the environment changed. The mentality didn't start to change until the environment did because his mind could then slowly start to think differently, see temptations and struggles differently once the environment changed. See how it builds. You need wholeness in every area of your life. And then the, the, the most transformational, the most impactful, the most important was the heart change. But it took a while for those deep-rooted heart issues that weren't addressed, couldn't be addressed. Though his mind was clear enough to engage God in holiness rather than guilt and shame. So I ask you here today, those watching online, have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Our time is gone, but we're gonna pray. If you're here today, you're not right with God, but you wanna be. You, you're not sure. Maybe you say, Pastor, I don't know if I've fully surrendered everything. Maybe you've just been moving the mess to other areas. Today, you can leave with your life cleaned out. And fully surrendering your life sets you on this path where then all of a sudden you can begin to crucify your flesh and it'll last. All of a sudden, you can renew your mind and it'll last because Jesus will come in and change everything. But if you don't know that date in your life, today as we pray, it can be your day. It can be your moment. You can leave with dozens of people in the first service to know that you know that you know. February 25th is my day. You know that you've surrendered your life to Christ and you'll never be susceptible to that lie from the enemy again. You can write it down. You can know it. You can tell somebody about it. We'll help you with it, but you'll know this is my 
moment. I'd ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes here in this room. In just a moment, I'm gonna count to three and ask you to lift your hand. You're gonna lift it up boldly and say, this is gonna be my moment. You're not ashamed of it. We're gonna celebrate with you because everything's going to change in just one moment. You're gonna be made righteous and then we're gonna help you on your journey to becoming righteous. But before we leave, I'm gonna pray. You're here today watching online. We've got prayer partners waiting for you. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. If you're gonna pray, would you pray for me? When I count to three, lift your hand up boldly and we're gonna pray together. Everybody in here is gonna pray together and we're gonna thank God for the full surrender of your life to him. And everybody can leave this place knowing that you are free in Christ. When I count to three, if that's you, you don't need to wonder ever again. Go through this cycle with the enemy. You're gonna be on this journey to wholeness in every area of your life. When I count to three, lift it up. One, two, three, come on, that's you. Lift it up, sure, sure. Boldly here in this moment, here in this service. You're gonna know, you're gonna know, you're gonna know. In Jesus' name. Come on, you can put your hand down. I'm gonna ask everybody here to pray this out loud. Here in the room, watching online, whatever it is, let's pray together. Let's join together with those who are fully surrendering their life to Jesus Christ here today. Let's all repeat after me out loud. Say, dear Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you for bringing me back to God. Today I receive new life in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord here this morning? We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week.